Wait a second. You mean I can have all of my D&D books, supplements, and adventures stored on one computer? And it costs the same as the actual books? Where the hell was this when 1E came out? Hello and welcome to the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today we are back with you all and we're going to be talking about something that we all use on a very regular basis. It's kind of new, about a year and a half. No, it's one year old. Yes, because my subscription comes up this month. That's right. It Tomorrow, is, I believe. Well, you better get that bill paid. Uh, it is D&D Beyond, and we are going to be talking about all the cool things and some of the quirky things that D&D Beyond provides to D&D players. And I think I will run this session, if that's okay with you guys. Yes. Yeah, Heck good. yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about D&D Beyond. What is it exactly? Um, Eric... You were the first to, well, I was in the play test, if you can call it a yeah, play test. Yeah. Um, I got the subscription first, I think. Yeah, you got the subscription um, first. So go ahead and tell yeah, us it's what. It's an electronic tool set. Uh, Wizards has had done this before. Uh, there had been, and third parties had tried to provide stuff for the open game license. Uh, basically, putting D&D in a digital form so you can get get the material easily. Um it is essentially everything that Wizards has published in book form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's on there. And just before we dive into the details, it's a it's a website. You go to dn, as in Nancy, dbeyond.com. So there's no ampersand in there. It's dnd, which is sort of funny because a lot of times I'll write it that way anyway. Me too. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, but yeah, you're right. It's a, a digital uh, format of everything that Wizards has published. And you get it by first by registering with Twitch. Yeah, which is a problem for me because you have to log on through Twitch, and my work computer doesn't let me open that window to log on, so I can't access it from work. Not that I should be. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't think you should be doing that. that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a good guy. So I always have to open it on my phone. Which... Right. Now, that's one of the things that I have not uh, enjoyed about, and we can get a little bit about, uh, talk a little bit about the drawbacks. It doesn't really work too well. For smart devices, you know the they are working on that. It has improved. I'm not sure if they're done working on it yet, but um, I use it a lot on my laptop. I have an iPad or not a laptop. My iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go to conventions, I bring my iPad. I don't even carry character sheets anymore. I do everything on my iPad, and it works pretty well on that because it has a larger screen. But on my phone, I, I it's I don't enjoy that. There's just not enough information on the screen. Yeah, it See, is It is much better if you've got a larger screen, especially a laptop or something like that. Yeah, and that slightly offends my Gragnardi sense because I have to have my characters on paper. Well, paper you know man. what, Greg? It's a, I, it's a pen and paper role-playing game. Well, you're right. I actually <laughs> I agree with you. I have used D&D Beyond. I do it much like Eric does. But I still have my character sheet printed out. Yeah, yeah giant library of books online. That's cool. But gotta you know how some sheet. people have that dream that like they go to work and they're not wearing pants, and that's like you know the big nightmare. My big nightmare, <laughs> my dream that I have is I go to a convention and there's no Wi-Fi, and that happens more often than you think. <laughs> yeah, there's the same. There's no cell Gen phone Con coverage. Most of the time. Uh, yeah. Because for that, and I try to keep backups, but you'd be constantly printing stuff out. So it is dependent on on having internet access, either through a hotspot or or Wi-Fi. That is correct. So you do have to have that. It's a necessity. So what do you get when you've got D&D Beyond? Um, If you're not going to pay for anything... 
there's a little bit of free content, which is basically it gives you access to the D&D basic rules. Yeah, the same ones they have in that big fat PDF. And it has a lot of the stuff, but it doesn't have everything. So most character classes only have one one subclass. Right. Um, you know, so the, the rogue might only have thief and not have assassin in, included with it. Um, and not every spell's in there. None of the name spells are in there. They rename the name spells, which annoys me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so instead of tensor's floating disc, you have floating disc, which is disrespecting Greyhawk in my mind. So, yeah, you can still kind of take a look at the monster listing and the magic item listing and stuff like that. But it's really a, a very much pared down version. You do have access also to the D and D Beyond forums, and uh, apparently you can also create homebrew spells and such. But it's only for private use, apparently. Yeah. So. The free version is great when you have a group of people who want to start playing D&D and they don't want to drop all that money on the books. It's and their gateway drug. Yeah, and they're not mm-hmm. that into it that they need access to everything. They're fine playing the rogue subclass of a thief. They, they don't want to, you know, min-max like I do. Hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I mean, I've seen it used a lot for that. Um, if you're starting a group at your local school or something and you have Wi-Fi there, everybody can, can get access to it. And you have have the rules, you have the character um, sheet in there. It's a, it's a pretty good deal. Would you say that having the free version, if you have the published books, be a pretty decent uh, medium in terms of your 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 ability to use both? I mean, it, does it really make much of a difference? It does, because if you have a character that you're using stuff, uh, material outside the basic material, your character sheet's not going to be correct on D&D Beyond because it won't even let you put that stuff in there. You might, maybe you could type it in. I'm not even sure you could. Well, thanks to you, I've only ever been able to use the subscribed version. Yeah. And if you pay for it, you get access to the digital content, which is the same, as we said, as all the published versions. Um, There are two tiers for your play style. You can get the hero tier or the master tier, and basically these are subscriptions on both a a biannual or monthly or annual subscription. Um, The hero tier is, as it says, primarily intended for players, um, you don't get ads, yeah. which is always great. And you can create all kinds of unlimited characters and things like that. But if you're a DM, I think you're going to have to step up and get the master tier. Yeah, the, the master tier is incredibly generous. So basically, um, when you uh, enroll or subscribe, um, you then also have to buy the material, which sort of sucks. Um, you know, I've already bought three players' handbooks, and I buy every hard copy that comes out just because I don't always want to be looking stuff on D&D Beyond. And, or you may not have Wi-Fi. Yeah, or my kid steals it when he goes to college. So um, <laughs> so I buy the, the hardbacks, plus I want to support my local game store, you know, or um, you know, in some cases Amazon. But usually I try to buy a local game store with the special edition covers. It's right. nice to have those on the shelf. Yeah, I like those. Yeah. Um, you know, this is my hobby. I'll spend a little coin on it. But um, the master version allows you to set up what they call campaigns, and you can have up to three campaigns that you can then invite up to 12 people per campaign uh, with an access code, and they have access to all your material. Um, So I do my subscription, and then I give people access to my material, which is everything because I buy everything they they come out with. Um, So they don't actually have to even – pay for it. So essentially we're getting 37 
subscriptions as long as they're under my campaign. Now, if they make me mad or you know right. kill my character, I could always cut them off. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> that, is, that is awfully darn generous of them. I'm, I'm surprised they don't make you pay for, you know, like a, like a little bit for each extra person. But Do you think they track stuff like that? Or do they even care? I think they track it. Oh, I, they, they definitely track that. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lower that, those numbers a little bit. I mean, 36 does seem to be excessive. Even in my heyday of DMing, I don't think I was DMing 36 players. That's true, yeah. Uh, to take a look real quick at the cost, if you're going to do it annually... The hero tier is twenty five ninety nine a year, at least it is right now, and the master tier is fifty four ninety nine a year. Now they've also got these other versions, which are um, uh, the legendary bundles and other things. Yeah, um, that's a pretty penny. Well, what that is is all the material that they publish. Um, so you can buy the the whole shebang at once. They give you a discount, if I'm not mistaken. It was 15%, I believe. 15% discount off the standard And then once you buy the Legendary Bundle, you get uh, 15% off on any future releases as well. Okay, so uh, the one that's coming out. uh, uh, The Waterdeep. The Waterdeep one, the Heist. Yeah, Heist. That'll be 15% less. 15% less if you have the Legendary Bundle. Is that that a a one-time, I assume? Or is that an annual? It says for all future digital content. Yeah. Okay, so it's a one-time. Okay. So, but here's the thing: that legendary bundle hurt us. Ugh, three hundred and seventy-seven dollars. Yeah, and sixty-nine cents. But That's sixty-nine cents is for important. that. You get well, Player's okay. Handbook, yes, DMG, I'll, Xanathar's, Volos, all the hardback adventures. Absolutely, you've got you know the Player's Handbook, the DM Guide, Monster Manual, Sword Coast Adventurers Guide, Volos, Xanathar's, Morden Cadence. Oh, uh, gosh, the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. It just came out. And Lost Mine of, of Fandelver, Horde of the Dragon Queen, Rise of Tiamat, Princes of the Apocalypse, all of those yeah. are there. And the Tortle Package. Yep. Yeah. So, the Tortle Package. Yeah. Don't play a Tortle. <laughs> That's important. Um, but you can also do a la carte. Yeah, and this is another aspect of it that I think is a good marketing decision from them. You can actually buy pieces. So if you say, I just want the races from Volos, I don't care about the rest of that stuff. And Volos would normally cost, I don't know, $20. It's twenty nine ninety nine. If you want so the whole $30. thing. Yeah. If you want the whole thing. Well, they might say, okay, we'll we'll give you the races for 15 You know, it's a good portion of the book, let's say. I don't know if that's how much it actually costs or It's not. $10. $10. If I then go back and buy the rest of Volos, Instead of costing thirty dollars, they're going to subtract the ten dollars I already paid, and I only have to pay twenty to get the rest of the content. So they actually track those a la carte purchases. Um, sometimes there'll be a magic item in some book that I'll want; it'll be a dollar ninety-nine. You know, if before I I took the took the jump and got the whole bundle, um, and I would buy that stuff piecemeal. Um, sort of nice if you're a player, especially. You don't need most of those that adventure content. Yeah, sometimes for, you want a race or a magic item. For instance, in Volo's Guide, you've got all these new races that you can make into characters, you know, from uh, furbolgs to uh, tabaxi, lizard folks, goblins, bugbears, and such. It's nine bucks, or they're a buck ninety nine a piece. Yeah, so you can just buy the one race you want. Right, and then you can also purchase up to 136 new monsters that are available in Volo's Guide. So I think it's a really great idea, but um, and I don't want to jump ahead too much, but if you've already got the published version, the hardback version, 
when you've already said that you would do it anyway because you like to have it, you know, yeah. on the shelf or if your son steals it. There's a lot of people who might balk at the idea of buying the same thing over again. And that's that's not just a problem with the D&D Beyond site. And, and, you know, I've seen a lot of discussions about this. And in the old days, all right, back in the Grognar days, TSR and or Wizards, they owned it all, right? Mm-hmm. They, they basically would hire outside companies to do stuff. And they still do a little of that with their adventure um, stuff, I believe. But the current business model that they have is they will sell somebody a license to produce a product. And then that person has sort of exclusivity to that area. So they have hired D&D Beyond, who has paid them to say, we want to make a digital tool set for fifth edition. Um, Lucky for us, they did a really good job with it. Um, also, you know, that last uh, game they put out that failed miserably, That they had also licensed that. Um, I forget the name of it. It was a 2.5D. Supposed to be good. Turned out to be not very good. I don't think I know uh, what it is. I don't understand. But, you know, so they don't so much have control over what um, gets published. I'm sure they have a little bit, but, but essentially they let these parties run with it. The problem with that is that the people who bought the license from TSR that make D&D Beyond, they need to make money. And they need to charge for that same content you've already purchased. And it's my understanding is it's difficult for them to bundle it. So a lot of people say, well, why don't they just let you buy an access code when you buy the player's handbook? Why don't they just charge me $5 more for a player's handbook and, and give me access to D&D Beyond? Well, because it's really two separate companies. So there's no incentive for them to do that. Now, maybe down the road, uh, Wizards will, will say, you know what, maybe we need to start doing that and work out a deal with all these companies that are providing these these uh, separate separate products for them. But for now, you basically have to pay because the company that makes D&D Beyond needs to make money. They need to, you know, they paid for the license, they need to recoup their, their costs and hopefully make a little bit of money on top of it. Now, you had mentioned that you share your subscription. Um, you share it with me and you share it with Greg, and you share it with a lot of your uh, players. And I personally, well, first off, thank you very much. Um, I use it quite a bit. Greg, do you use it as much as, well, maybe, I know you probably don't use it as much as as Eric Uh, does. Certainly not. I hardly have used it at all because I do not have a mobile device other than my phone that I can put it on. Uh And I don't like it on my, I've seen it on phones, don't like it on phones. Uh, I don't have a tablet. I don't have a laptop. So that's, and I really would love to use it, uh, especially character creation. It's really good for that. Um, you know, we got to find him an old laptop. Yeah. You know, I'm about to upgrade my iPad. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, secondhand Santa will visit Greg this year. <laughs> uh, no, I am a Apple free zone. Uh, well, even a free device, I would not, I do not want to buy into the Apple zone. What about a laptop that somebody's uh, but, getting rid um, of? You know, I I'm, I need to I need to rustle Maybe me up start, a cheap need tablet. To start a GoFundMe. Yeah, for, to, do a, to, to take Greg's, Greg into Greg's the digital tablet. realm. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I uh, I borrowed uh, Eric's tablet once. Uh, that time uh, I created uh, that's how I created my uh, bugbear uh, was using uh, Beyond at uh, Scout uh, Game Night, and uh, it uh, it it flew. It was so easy. Uh, all your choices are laid out for you. Uh, it was wonderful. And I immediately a- said, I need a tablet. And everybody said, oh, yeah, sure. Well, why don't we just <laughs> go into this? What is in? Wait, wait, wait. Before okay. we say that, I'm going to make a new character class custom for Greg on D&D Beyond <laughs> called the Luddite. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll post that on the yeah. links. He issues anything that could be possibly technological. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no Only fights with no clubs electronic and rocks. zones. And he has sworn off eating all apples. That's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there you okay. go. I like that. Yeah, yeah. that's his, that's his kryptonite. Yeah. So, what oh. is in D and D Beyond? Um, there's a lot that's in D and D Beyond. If you have not explored it at all, um, I break it into sort of four sections. Okay, let's oh, do it that like way. Overarching. Um, the first is they have your content, so your campaigns, your characters, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are the rules. So all the books that involve rules. Then there's the characters. So I sort of separate those out because... Um, when you say characters, you're talking the... Well, I, character what, generator. Isn't that still part of your stuff? Well, but you can use it... Eh, I suppose it, it mm. could be considered that. They're so connected. I'll put it in that, your stuff. Yeah. Um, the rules, the adventures, mm-hmm. and then the forums. Right. So those are sort of the four broad categories. And I think there's one that's kind of... It's a fifth category for me, and I agree with everything you said... It's the um, information, the articles, the the videos, and the kind of insider information that they have. Um, For instance, right now, as we're recording this, the latest article is Dungeons & Dragons place in pop culture and they've also had other things about, you know, how to run a particular uh, race or a particular type of character or the spell spotlight. And I think those are really handy. I read those quite a bit. Yeah, there's not really a a central location for D&D articles. You know, there's people that put stuff on YouTube, but you never really know. There's no gatekeeper to that. They just put right. stuff up. You don't, it could be good, could be trash. Um, so D&D Beyond has sort of like walked into that niche um, and sort of grabbed that, that terrain for their own. It's kind of... A, I want to call it a pared-down version of the old Dragon magazine where you can get some articles about what's going on yeah. and how to do this or how to maybe make your game a little Unlike bit Unlike the Dragon Plus, which I barely look at, the electronic version. I don't know if you oh, guys have looked at that. No, I, I was not. disappointed in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I still get it, but don't look at it very much. Um, they've also sort of got the D&D celebrities that we've mm-hmm. mentioned in the past um, involved, either writing articles, contributing content. Very early, the uh, Critical Role team, Matt Mercer, he came up with the Gunslinger um, archetype or character class, a homebrew character class that they had on the show. there, And uh, they included that in D&D Beyond a, a while ago. Um, so they have that content on there. They always have a recap of the Critical Role episodes uh, yep. on the on the front page. They uh, just looking at it right now to give you an idea of what they got. They've got the Legend of Drizzt uh, becoming the face of Forgotten Realms, a recap of Critical Role. Let's make maps, world maps, and a spell spotlight of Cloud Kill. So it's kind of runs all over the place. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're carving out a niche in the D and D world that's pretty substantial at this point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and they have sort of uh, their their quasi official, you know. TSR approved. I mean, it look if you just look at it, it looks like it's coming yeah, straight from. They do I always say TSR. I mean wizards. wizards. Yeah. I cannot. What are you talking? I cannot about? not associate D and D and TSR. Yeah, it's, it's right. not going away. You know, and as as example of that is sometimes I'll do Google searches for something D and D related. Um, in the old days, ninety percent of the links that came up were for En World, which is a website I go to a lot. Um, lately, I like them too. I am seeing a lot of the responses, the links that come back, um, connecting to the forums and D&D Beyond. So 
you know, there's a lot of discussion going on there. They have a pretty active community because these things, these links are popping up. You know what? You do a Google search, you know, can a bard, you know, inspire themselves with bardic inspiration? Mm-hmm. Something like that. You know, right. just you have a yeah. rules question. Like I said, you're getting those links coming back for D&D Beyond instead of EN World. All right, so uh, we're not going to go too deep into the character creator part of it because that's going to be part of our actual discussion. But when you break it down, as Eric said, into the four different parts, the biggest thing that most people will use D&D for is the character creator. And it's very easy to use, but again, depending on your subscription level, that will dictate what you can and cannot do. Yeah, and that throws a lot of people. They want to put their character on there, and they go, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I'm a Cavalier, I don't... I don't have that as an option. You pay up. Yeah, you have to pay for it because that's in a different book. But right. that is what got me hooked on D&D Beyond early on. The, the character creator, um, it's just a walkthrough process similar to some of the old tool sets they had. You know, first you pick your race. Then you assign your ability scores. Then you pick your class. When you pick your class, it has a drop-down menu. Everything's drop-down and select. Um, you know, if you're a wizard, okay, pick what spells you're having, you know, what it just basically lets you do everything you would normally do, but it's very streamlined and it's easy to find stuff. It's easy to get descriptions. If I'm want to take a feat as a human, it gives me all the official feats from every you know, if you if right. you have everything unlocked and I can click on it, get a description before I decide. Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. Uh, same with races. I you know, if I'm wondering about a race and I don't even need to be in a character creator to do that. Yes, I can just can look right up to a races. race. Yes, you, you can know, go. or I can uh, look up a feat. Um, they have really simple drop-down menus. So um, the only problem I have with it is that I never know what source book a feat comes from or a race comes from. <laughs> That's true. If you've got them all in one place, they all come from one place. Yeah. And in uh, Adventures League, you're limited to the player's handbook plus one source. So if I'm playing a goblin, I've taken Volos as my additional source, which means if I'm a wizard, I can't take spells from Sword Coast or from Xanathar's. I can only gotcha. so that gets to be a little little problematic. You'd think they'd have maybe a filter on there where you would say, you know, open D and D. I think they're uh, probably working Adventures on League. it. Well, yeah. right now they have uh, essentially official and homebrew, which you can select. Yeah, so for you can, your anything. Yeah. Um, uh, Adventures League is pretty prevalent, and making up characters in Adventures League is is a big deal. So I, you, I'm a little surprised that that's not uh, a limitation that you could add to the creation process. Yeah, the other things that they have are the compendiums, which are essentially the rules. And that's all of the rules. That's the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual, and all of the supplements that have come out since then. Yeah, and that's handy to have. Their search function, I'm not a big fan of. If I search, it comes up with like, it just doesn't seem to be well-ordered. If I'm looking up uh, stunned, you know, in the search bar, I would think the stunned status effect would be the first thing that I, or condition first thing that came up but a lot of times it's like the third one down and there's some walkiness but you know not the end of the world just i don't use the search function as much as i might because i don't like the way they order their results well one of the great things i like about it is um when you are in one of those particular manuals the uh hyperlinking to different things when you're yeah you said you had a source or a search and you can get a, a, a hyperlink within the information you're looking for, and it's kind of a pop-up of sorts. Yeah. And that is just incredibly handy, instead of, like, referring to page 227 and flipping back and forth. In the yeah, book. a good example. Last night, um, I was playing an online game, uh, and and 
figurine dropped, an obsidian steed. So I figurine a wondrous power, put that in D&D Beyond on the item lookup. And as a figurine, it says it summons a nightmare. Well, I can just mouse over the nightmare word and it pops up a box with the stats for the nightmare. Yes, that's really incredibly handy. Yeah, same thing with spells. If, uh, you know, I, I have a, something that casts a spell, or it'll give me a pop-up box for the spell. So I don't have to, you know, always jump around. Those, those little pop-up boxes are handy while you're, while you're playing. Right. And again, this is all dependent on your level of purchase. If you've got the legendary bundle or you've done a lot of a la carte purchasing and stuff like that, you'll get those other ones. But if it's just the basic one, not the basic, I should, the the lowest tier, you'll get the DM's Guide, the Monster Manual, and the Player's Handbook. And if I was going to min-max the subscription thing, <laughs> you know, if you're already in a group, Shocking. sure, $55 is a lot, but if you have five players in a DM, everybody can chip in 10 bucks. Good point. And now you all have yeah. access to this. You know, right. and even if you have to buy the the whole bundle, uh, which is, what, 300 377 377 you know, that's a lot, but you have that forever. You could. Yeah, exactly. And if you spread the wealth, or I should say the, the hurt, the, yeah, amongst your players, then you're doing a lot better off. Um, we've also got the adventures. Again, that I don't think... I don't know enough about it. Are there adventures that come with the base subscriptions? Uh, no, probably not. They Well, maybe the... I don't know if the Lost Minds is included as the basic set because it's been so long but yeah. that would be if it was that would be the only one i'm thinking and, that's true yeah um but the adventures truthfully i like to have the hardback for um just because if i have the hardback and i have D beyond i can leave the hardback open to the map and D beyond to the page that the very good are point on. yeah very good point yes so or uh, the, the picture of the creature that's about to eat our face. Yeah. And say, oh, saw, here you go. That's the other. Oh, if I look God. up a creature and I click on it, it pulls up a picture and I can hold up my, my iPad and say, here's what it looks like. Yeah. Now, there's another part that you have access to. It's basically the campaign content. And it's a very small part, I think, of the whole D&D Beyond. But it's really handy for DMs because at that point you can kind of, well, you've got all of your players in one spot. <laughs> Um, but you can kind of add information, your notes, in a private sense, but then you can also put public notes out for the players to be able to look at. Yeah, I don't use the campaign a whole lot because when it comes to that, I'm, I'm more of a pencil and paper and mm -hmm. hopefully just keep it in my head kind of guy. I use it for note-taking or summarizations of what just happened in terms of the you know episodic parts of the campaign. Yeah. Um, one thing I will use is the homebrew. Um, Will you? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of there's a lot of sources out there. Let's say I want to make, a, you know, an adamantine golem, right? There's no such thing as adam adamantine golem in. in let's not do, let's official. not do that. <laughs> but I can guarantee, if you look up adamantine golem in homebrew content, you'll probably find about five or six that people have already put in and shared. So people have gone through and uh, homebrewed a creature. And put it in there, and they make it publicly accessible. It's under the homebrew listing um, because it's not official. And some of them are overpowered and some of them are underpowered, but it's a good starting point. Or if I have something in my campaign that I want to put in, I can take the time, put it in the homebrew section, and then uh, either share it or keep it private. So I could even put NPCs in there if I wanted to. Um, Unless I'm doing something wrong here, Eric, they do not yet have an adamantine golem. Oh, I bet you they do. 
So maybe that's something that you need. Are to you make. spelling adamantine correct? Yes, just, I am. <laughs> oh, it, it spell corrects you. Uh, you he, he just typed, I think, ADA and it did yeah, adamantine. It, so, yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, maybe so, I'll have to make one then. Exactly. Project. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, and finally, we've got the forums. Um, a lot of people love to go to the forums to ask their questions. A lot of a lot of people like to comment on the internet. Really. Well, being a Luddite like you... <laughs> I came up with two. I have an adamant golem and an adamantine golem, and they're the homebrew. There you go. Okay. Well, there they are. I just search for golem, and they come up first because it okay. begins with A. Maybe that search engine isn't the an best. An amorphous though. golem, an amethyst golem, an amber golem, two amber golems. Hmm. Arcanium golem. There's all kinds of homebrew stuff. So that's actually probably underutilized. I mean, uh, DMs, a lot of times we end up reinventing the wheel, um, and I'm a sort of leaning towards starting with stuff other people have done and tweak it to my needs rather than start from scratch. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we were talking about the forums, and the forums are there for people to ask all sorts of things. Um, they have a feedback section, bugs and support, general discussion, and anything that you can think of that would be in the forums. Yeah, and they're pretty active. I don't Truthfully, I don't read their forums a lot. I do go on occasion um, just because there's who has the time anymore. Um, but it is nice that there is a central place where D&D players gather to talk about D&D. Um, I don't know. Do they have old school stuff on there? I don't believe they do. Um, not really. They've got an off topic, um, yeah. but that's really not where they're at. They've got class forums for all the different classes. And that's then cool. basically a Dungeons and Dragons discussion. Now, my guess is maybe that's where that might come from. They've got a uh, Adventures League forum. Yeah, which I'm so. sure is blowing up right now with the season eight changes. So, um, yeah, it really doesn't say anything about old school stuff. Yeah, honestly. so for that, I would still go to EN World. Right. So, um, but as you know, forums can be a little on the um, toxic. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word for it. Toxic side. And not so much fun. However, we went to a comedy show. That's right. We, you know, we were talking about bards. Our last podcast was about bards. And um, not every bard sings. There's right? all I kinds mean, of bards. they're entertainers. So, yes. uh, you know, in the interest of promoting bards, um, we allotted some time for another bard whose uh, preferred method of uh, performance is comedy. That's right. And so we went to one of his shows, and he was kind enough to let us take a recording of it. Yeah, yeah, let's give that a listen. Good evening, humans and demi-humans. It is great to be in Rel Astra tonight. Have you tried the grilled aboleth? I hear it is excellent. Last week I had some undercooked aboleth in Perrinland. I had a migraine for two days, because they are psionic. Try to keep up. The other night, we had a pair of gnolls show up for dinner. One said to the other, boy, do I hate my wife. The other said, then have the salad instead. <laughs> I love Rel Astra, one of my favorite cities. I played in Waterdeep last week. You know what you call an attractive woman in Waterdeep? A tourist. <laughs> Is it dark in here? How would you know? You have infravision. <laughs> Seriously, it is always so dark in these clubs, like they are all drow-friendly establishments. Waterdeep was so backwater, they didn't even have light spells. They all used candles. You know how many adventurers it takes to light a candle? All of them. Never split the party. Do you know how many trolls it takes to light a candle? 
Only one, but he is very careful. You know how many half-elves it takes to light a candle? Surprisingly, only one. Turns out half-elves are good for something after all. Seriously, though, I love the demi-human races. One of my best friends is a halfling. He was dating a war-forged woman but dumped her because she was too high-maintenance. I see a couple of dwarves in the house tonight. Do you know why dwarves have such big nostrils? They have big fingers. I get invited to a lot of dwarven events. You know the difference between a dwarven wedding and a dwarven funeral? One less drunk dwarf. You know how to tell the bride at a dwarf wedding? She's the one with the braided beard hair. It always confused me that we have half-elves and half-orcs, but no half-dwarfs. Do you know what you get when you cross an orc with a dwarf? Nothing. There's some things even an orc won't do. I like to pick on the demi-humans, but deep down I love them. Now those humanoids, they are the worst. Did you hear about the goblin that walks into his cave with a duck under his arm? His wife asks, what is that? Goblin replies, this is the hag I've been shagging. The angry wife shouts, that's not a hag, that's a duck. The goblin looks at her and says, I was talking to the duck. And how about those orcs? Always causing trouble. You know how many orcs can fit in a barrel? With the right spell, all of them. But those monstrous races are the worst. Did you hear about the emo ooze? He just cut himself until he had enough friends. Good thing we have adventurers to keep them under control. Any adventurers here tonight? I had a monk friend of mine wanted to start an adventuring group. They registered with the guild and everything. Their application was denied because they didn't have a healer. They said it was a clerical error. The fighter in that group kept bringing his sword to parties. Very awkward. He said it was his plus one. The group never would have worked anyway. It included a husband and wife necromancer team. They eventually split up. Apparently she didn't want to raise kids. That's all for tonight, Rel Astra. You have been a great audience. Okay, um... <laughs> hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whoever wrote his jokes, don't give up I don't know if that job. would so much inspire you, especially if you were a dwarf. That might have the opposite effect, but... Yeah. You know, yeah. he's a little harsh on the shorter races. Yeah. Uh, no kidding. Wow. <laughs> yeah. A lot of dwarf jokes out there. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, yeah. Blow-hanging uh, fruit, as it were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow, is he, like, trying to multi-class? I guess. Uh, yep. maybe, maybe next time we should have him write the, the jokes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so um, we've described a little bit about how D&D Beyond works, but how does it work? I mean, for me, I think it's wonderful. Uh, for someone like Greg, you know, it's like jumping into, you know, a chemistry class without having passed algebra or anything you else know, like no, that. I, it, I thought it was the one or two times I've I'm, used it. I have really liked it. I'm just it. making fun of your yeah, I'm Yeah, I am well aware. You know, the barrier to entry... That comes in a lot when we're talking about role-playing games. There's some game systems that I won't learn because I don't want to take the time to learn that complex of a system. Yes. And there's other ones that I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that one, you know, as a one-shot or whatever. 
the barrier to entry for D&D Beyond is very low. The financial barrier is probably the, the biggest one. But once you have it, I don't travel anywhere. I don't, you know, I don't go to conventions without my iPad. I just, I, you know, it's so easy to use. Now, most conventions that I go to, the Wi-Fi is just absolute shite. And well, it's it's wildly overloaded. That's the problem. Yeah. And so, what do you do when you I'll, don't have access? I'll set to up it? a hotspot on my phone. It's not okay. it's not transferring a ton of data, right? I mean, it's not a data hog. It's not constantly connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't noticed a problem with it. It's mostly text info, which is yeah. Yeah, I would think I'm not sure exactly what their interface is, and I haven't you know micromanaged it. But um, most places you go to do have Wi-Fi, and since you're you know the the biggest annoyance is. Um, I want to look up a spell. Once you have the character loaded, that's there. I can hit the check boxes. I can do everything. But then I'm like, okay, I want to. I want to look up the spell that's not already part of my character sheet. That's where you see the lag, and that's sort of a pain. But um, you know, you can always carry the player's handbook for for things like that. And you know, it works. It's it's just really easy. It's easy to track your character too. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. It's just ease of use when you're uh, doing a search. Or you're reading through the rules and you've got these hyperlinked, highlighted, um, uh, basically, words or related to a spell or something like that. You've got that pop-up that comes up that you can refer to quickly. It's really very user-friendly. Yeah, and I mean, an excellent example. The character I played last night, he's a, his name's Nostra Dumbass. He's a halfling, uh, <laughs> portent <laughs> wizard, a divination wizard, and a uh, wild magic sorcerer. <laughs> So this character is a nightmare to play at a table uh, and even bigger nightmare to play online because, okay, so he's a caster. He's got spell slots. So I have to keep track of what the spell slots I use. That's not usually a big deal. Usually it's just a little button you click. But he's also got the lucky feat, which means I have three times I can can use add a d20 to a roll. So I have these three checkboxes for that. He's also got... uh, the what, Tides of Chaos, I believe it's called, where he gets advantage. And that is a one-time use until he gets a wild magic surge, then he gets it back. So it's another checkbox. And then he has 15 sorcery points that I can use. So it's basically uh, another counter I need to keep track of. Oh, by the way, he's got two portent rolls that I need to keep track of. So all these little checkboxes that... Um, I have to keep track of on a separate sheet of paper when I'm playing. It's all right there on my iPad. I just hit the button, and and I, I know that goodness it is for you. I mean, Mike. Yeah, that's an awful gosh. lot to keep keep, yeah. keep in mind. He's a crazy character to play. He's a lot of fun to play um, because when I roll, then I, I I roll, then I go. Do I want that roll? Do I like that roll? Do, you know, because I can, <laughs> I can. Well, one, I don't even have to roll. I could use portent if I wanted to. But then after I roll, I can throw. Well, before I roll, I could decide to roll with advantage if I want. Then after I roll, I can say, um, well, I'm going to use a, a lucky die and throw another d20. And one of my favorite tricks is to, in on purpose, get disadvantage on a roll, knowing I'm going to use my lucky die because it turns into super advantage. So I like to pick locks oh, with chicken bones. <laughs> Which is legal, by the way. There's been a ruling that that's what lucky is. You take the best of the dice you have rolled. So it turns disadvantage into super advantage. Um, Wow. And as a sorcerer, I can use two sorcery points to modify a d20 roll using a reaction by 1d4. So I'm constantly tweaking dice numbers on this character. Um, 
and that's his thing. He's he's he worships the many-faced gods. He alone knows that that we're all controlled by polyhedrons. Um, <laughs> so that's his sort of Jeez. that's his gimmick, and nobody believes him. But I do limit him in that his. Um, now you see, he, he makes all important decisions with a magic eight ball, and I carry it with me when I go to conventions. Now that <laughs> I, we're going off topic here, of that course. would be fun to watch. I am not a fan of watching D and D being played. I've watched a couple of critical roles, and I know I'm in the minority, but I don't find it fun. But that oh would be fun to the watch. The best part, the magic eight ball, which he's had since level one. He took it as his trinket. It's the right ball of Vecna. It's a hollowed <laughs> artifact. Jeez. <laughs> God. Yeah. So he's a, he's a blast to play. He's actually my highest level character in Adventures League right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. All right. Well, back to D&D Beyond. Yeah. So he, you know, that character is perfect for D&D Beyond. Right. Okay. Because there's so many checkboxes. The one complaint I have, when I roll my portent rolls, it doesn't let me type them in, which hopefully they're going to improve that in the future. Well, get on the forums. They've got a feedback yeah. for that. Um, I'm sure they listen. The searches and uh, doing a search for anything, be it spells, magic items, monsters, is really very user-friendly. You can uh, search for spells by class or by school. Um, or, or by casting time. By casting you time. You want to know what All spells cast stuff. on a bonus action? You can you can filter that. That is my second favorite aspect of D&D, the spells and the ability to filter by whatever parameters, I can say I, I have a bard I've been playing, and with he just got one of those magic bard instruments, instrument of the bards, gives character uh, targets disadvantage on saving throws when there's a charm effect. Well, hmm. a lot of spells have charm effects that don't charm. So uh, Crown of Madness actually has a charm effect associated with it. How do I know that? Because I went on D&D Beyond, I clicked on bard, and then I filtered the spells for any spell that has a charm effect. And it gives me a list of all the spells that have charm effect, which I might otherwise miss. Um, super handy. Hmm. To- That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, magic items, you can do much of the same thing. You can uh, search by item type, you know, be it armor, potion, ring, wand, whatever. By like rarity. That. Rarity, all kinds of great stuff. It is very, very user-friendly. It's got all kinds of different, you know, filters to be able to do it. And, of course, monsters, uh, you can even do it by challenge rating if you want to, especially if you're creating something, you want to find out what's a good challenge rating for your players. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of options. That need to yank out a monster really quick because things are slowing down in the campaign. Just yeah, pop that in there. Let's talk a little bit about the home homebrew that is available with the paid subscription on D&D Beyond. Homebrew is basically stuff that people have made up and they've based, entered it, created it, and made it public to D&D Beyond. Yeah, and they don't have to, but many of them did. Right. I mean, you can you can make it yourself, keep it private if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can include it in your character creation if mm-hmm. you want. Uh, I'm sure that that doesn't go, of course, with uh, Yeah, you can homebrew thing. tons of stuff. Right. Not just monsters. You can homebrew magic items. You can homebrew. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can homebrew an entire character class. Yeah. But you have to have permission from your DM because you can't be walking in with this guy who's doing stuff that you've never heard of. Yeah. Is the stuff flagged homebrew? Yes, it okay. is. You can definitely when you're building a character, um, you can select whether you have the homebrew on or off. Yes. And then, and then those things are flagged now, as well. Uh, here's a grognard. Cool. Did you guys ever have like somebody show up at your game back in the day and just like bring their character from some other game with uh, them? Oh, yes. And, like that yeah. happened fairly frequently when, in the, like, oh, I have a level eight character fighter and he's got a storm of storm giant, bell storm giant strength and a vorpal longsword. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Where'd you yeah, get that no, from? Where did that come from? <laughs> 
<laughs> like there wasn't it wasn't clear cut that you couldn't do that. Yeah. You know, and everybody was sort of new at the game. And well, we, that's when I personally would say, well, you don't have them in this game. Exactly. You'd say, <laughs> left them yeah. at home. You forgot the campaign. sword at home. Right, right. Uh, the best part, I think, that most people will, as you said, it attracted you and most people will be most attracted to, is the character creation. It is the uh, the generator is very user-friendly. Again, yeah, I, said, I love it. It allows for the um, homebrew and the official stuff. Greg, you like to spend a lot of time making characters. Yeah. I would sit and just generate characters for the hell of it all the time if I, uh, <laughs> you know, if I could sit on the couch with a tablet and do it. But uh, probably a good thing that I don't. And you but, have uh, used this for character creation? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, yeah. Grogek, the Grognar, or the... Um, the bugbear whoa, whoa. barbarian. Whoa, whoa. He, go back, go back uh, he is again. totally. He is totally a uh, D and uh, D Beyond creation. What's what's his name? Grogek. 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 I thought it was Grognak. No, it's Grogek. <laughs> Grogek, the bugbear barbarian. He's yeah. uh And remember, he's fun on to play. Bugbear that reach only counts on your turn, not on opportunity attacks. I believe that's a slight rule. But you would not have been able to. Well, I guess you could have made a bugbear if you had purchased the book. Yeah. Well, I have all the I have the, I have the books. Yes. I, I don't always carry all of them with me because, you know, 50 pounds worth of books. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, but uh, yeah. And, and that's I, probably uh, got to be the best thing about this. If you have a laptop or a, a uh, an iPad, you're carrying what? <laughs> seven, yeah, and let's seven talk, pounds let's worth talk of about the Dungeon Master's Guide for a second. Yeah. <laughs> How often do we use the Dungeon Master's Guide? You know, compared to what we used to use it back in the day, mm-hmm. hardly at all. Hardly ever. You don't even really need the DMG. If it wasn't for the magic item list, I don't think... Let's talk about that a little that's, bit. That's the only reason I picked one up. Why in the world is it that way now? You know, I think it's it's a sort of hand-me-down from the open game license. So they had that open game license where they put everything out there. And I think Wizards made a conscious decision with 5th edition to release that sort of sub-rule set for free. And they wanted people to be able to play the game without spending any money. And then spend Hmm. the money to get the improved content. So everything you needed... That's smart marketing. ...was in the player's handbook. Right. Right? I mean, so the DMG didn't offer a whole lot uh, beyond those magic item lists. Everything else is sort of optional. Now, there is stuff if you're a brand-new DM... That DMG is very helpful. Um, Correct. You know, has the different terrain effects, traps, you know, how to make a trap, different sample traps, the poison section I'll sometimes use. So there's, there is content there, but it's not content that I need to be lugging a book around for. And that's where D&D Beyond comes in really handy, because if I do happen to need something in the DMG, it's going to be a quick lookup. And I can just do it off my phone if I need to. And I don't need to lug that book around with me because there's really no reason to, to carry it. Yeah. Uh, back to the character creation. Yeah, I that. just noticed um, this allows critical role content. Yeah, they are, they're um, a sponsor of critical now, role. Playtest content yeah. and now Eberron content. Yeah, because they just released Eberron for Adventurers League yeah. and on DMs Guild. And you have your different types of advancement. It can be, you know, XP or Milestone. Uh, you can use your encumbrance. Um, encumbrance? Yeah. Use encumbrance? What's encumbrance? <laughs> can we talk about milestone advancement? Sure. I was never a fan, and now I am. I am in the same boat. I was like, oh, you got to earn that experience. You got to do the yeah. time. Yeah. And then it made so much sense. 
yeah. to use the milestone to me. What is that exactly? Basically, it's like if you... The DM decides when you level. Yeah, the DM oh. decides when you level. Or if you bought a pre-purchased one, for instance, one of the uh, the adventures, and you used the milestone, if you completed this chapter, you will be a level two or a level three or a level four. Okay, so not so much with the numbers, but with an yes. achievement. Yeah, okay. and, and from like a that. DM perspective, it's handy because you don't have to get crazy trying to balance mm-hmm. for crazy parties. Right. Um which is nice, but also I think it's better for the players. I mean, if the encounter is meant to be a challenge, it's been balanced for that level party. Right. Um, which is nice because yeah. it's still a challenge, you know? Yeah. And here's something that I'm noticing that I I won't say it is exactly, but it seems like a little bit of a nod to the old school D&D. You can ignore coin weight. Yeah. In your encumbrance, because, you know, we all carry around 250,000 gold pieces. If I'm not mistaken, AD&D, it was 10 coins per pound, wasn't it? I don't know, but this one this one says 50 coins per pound. Yeah, which is still pretty heavy. I mean, yeah. that's a roll of quarters. Yes. You know, it doesn't really weigh a pound. But, I mean, but... when you and I were playing first edition, you know, we basically, well, you go to a tavern and it's going to cost well, you. Well, you used to have to calculate when you kill, after you killed the dragon. Okay, what's everybody's maximum encumbrance? And you would literally crawl out of the dungeon because <laughs> yes. everybody was so weighed Dragging down. Your you stuff. wanted to get every last copper piece because often that was experience. That's so right. Coin if you leave coin, experience. you're leaving experience behind. Yeah, that, so. you but you can that. do all kinds of things with the character creation. Um, it, it's really great. It's very user-friendly. You go from the, your, your race, your class, your abilities, the description, equipment. Equipment's a little funky in terms of getting it, uh, you know, equipped or not equipped. Well, but it, it takes a little bit of It is, but attention. here's the, the other thing I like. Um, it'll calculate your encumbrance, and if I'm not mistaken, you can have equipment that doesn't get included. So you're saying, well, I own that, but, you know, like if you buy a cart— Yes. Okay. A cart yeah. weighs five hundred pounds. You don't Does want not that figure on your encumbrance. On your encumbrance. Yeah. You just, nice. There's a checkbox that says, "Okay, I have this, but I'm not carrying this." Right. Yeah. Uh, which is, and then if you have extra armor that you're putting in the cart, you you don't put that in there. So, um, that's handy. It also lets you decide which items you're attuned to because you're only allowed three attunement slots. Mm-hmm. If you have more than three attunement items, you click which ones that are currently attuned to, and you can swap those out. Um, Something we haven't talked about, you can customize attacks. So I have a swashbuckler rogue who fights with a small sword and a main gauche, which are both actually just short swords, but I call them something different. Yes, because because it sounds cool. Yes. (laughs) Um, And, of course, on your offhand attack, unless you have the feet, you don't get to add your damage bonus. Well, I can indicate on my character sheet this is an offhand attack, and it automatically subtracts out that damage bonus. Um, So I just get my base damage instead of adding my dex to it. Lot of ways you can sort of streamline your character and make it make it more effective. Yeah, the um, ability scores you can even choose what generation method you want. Yeah, point standard by. array, point by, or manual. Yep. Greg will just stick with his dice because he's got so many of them. Standard ah, array. I love point by. Is a sucker's by. bet. Don't Say that again. Standard standard array is a sucker's bet. It's essentially point by, but it's not min maxed, so I never use it because <laughs> odd numbers in fifth edition are useless, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. So the standard array gives you a couple odd numbers that if you rearrange them, you can end up with another plus one somewhere. Which, in my mind, why wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. Now, it does vary based on your class, your race, because that's going to give you some bonuses, and you know. So sometimes. It, 
doesn't work. You know, that's quite something like that. that's always kind of bothered me about the game, even from back in the day. The fact that odd numbers just really don't serve no use to you. I mean, you get that thirteen, you're like crap. <laughs> yeah, but. I don't know. There, it's a matter of scaling, right? Mm, so yeah. you're not going to be able to give plus tens at twenty because you're rolling a d twenty in most right, cases. Yeah. So are we going to roll d forties? Um, but also, there are some feats that give you a plus one to a stat and an additional bonus. Right. So in in that respect, if it really bothers you, hey, pick up that feat. Or when you get your ability score increases, you can split those those two plus ones and and raise up uh, two odd scores to even numbers. Doesn't bother me that much. So, uh, anything else we want to talk about with the character builder before we uh, move on? No, I, you know, if anybody wants to check out D and D Beyond, that's where I would start. Uh, I would yeah, just oh yeah, go in, definitely. set up a Twitch account; doesn't cost you anything, um, and just go in and mess around with the character builder because it's a lot of fun. Sometimes I'll just go in and be like, "Hey, I wonder what this character would be like um, in my home game." I'll put powerful NPCs in there. I want to have like a spellcaster, and I don't want to have to go through and just manually uh, do everything. I just say hey, 17th level wizard and fill in those spells. Um, one of the new things that they just did also is you can do a standard character creation, a quick build, yeah, or a random one. Yeah, I've never used the random button. That would maybe be kind of fun. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, yeah. that would be kind of fun. Um, one thing that I do have a question about: uh, if you buy the hero or the master tier, you as a person have unlimited characters, but if you share it. Like, for instance, you share it with your players. They only get, what is it, six or is it 12 characters? I don't, I'm not sure the exact really? number. But they are limited huh. a little bit. Um, so if you're going to go into it and make the purchase yourself, you're going to get unlimited But you know what? If somebody's using it that much, then they should buy it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, one other thing that I want to mention is after you build your character in D&D Beyond, you can print out a PDF of your character sheet that looks identical to the official character sheet. Um, so once I have my character, when I travel to a convention and I know what characters are going to be playing, I will print out those character sheets and just stick them in my bag, just in case I don't have Wi-Fi. Exactly. And I also you should always of, assume that. You know, for Adventures League, I use Adventures League Log, which is a digital content. I'll also print out my log sheets just in case. So overall thoughts about Dungeons and Dragons, or I should say D and D Beyond. It's not truly Dungeons and Dragons no. Beyond. D and D, 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 but it's got an ampersand with the official look to it. Yeah, I don't know why they did. I guess you can't use an ampersand in a web address, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, welcome to 1980s. Well, <laughs> I am a fan of D and D Beyond. Um, I think everybody should probably use it. If you're a gamer, it, it makes sense to use it. It's yeah. so easy. And there's so much content, you know, uh, with available with the game. It's it's really the only practical way to be able to access all of the content that they are squishing out now. That uh, yeah, it, If you're a brand new gamer, it makes sense because you can do stuff without having to pay any money. If you're a hardcore or a serious gamer, it makes sense because you're going to use it so much. The That middle group, if you're the occasional gamer, then find somebody who has a, a master level subscription and <laughs> <laughs> hook up with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that works. Also, but you may have trouble biting the bullet. Let's say you've purchased your DM guide and your player's handbook and stuff like that. You, you may feel like, wow, I've already got it and I got to buy it again. 
Japan. If you Once, have Fantasy Grounds, you have bought yeah. it there, too. Yeah. But I tell you what, and that's something I'm wondering if maybe they may be putting a, uh, a map generator, a map maker in this eventually. I don't know. That I mean, be, that's that would be super cool. Other, yeah. I mean, that's not even related to their program. Right. But anyway, uh, what back to my point is you've paid your $30 for the books, and then you're paying another $30 for the digital com- content. I still think it's worth it. Definitely yeah, oh, definitely. It. And, and truthfully, I am so close to not buying books any longer. Hmm. I mean, I, I've seriously had to consider um, with Xanathar's whether I want it. I bought it because of a special edition cover, and I knew my, my kid would use it. But are you going to be buying or subscribing to the Eberron stuff? Is that something that you use or will use? I hate Eberron. <laughs> so for you, you're going to get it regardless, right? I, yeah, I'll, I'll have to pay a little bit more, but I'll get a discount. I probably will because other people might use it, and you know, I have enough people hooked to my account. Um, can I just say, Warforged are stupid? Okay. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the whole technology thing in D&D never appealed to me. I'm a classic fantasy. Leave I, it where it's supposed to Derek be. Derek lives Dean in Greyhawk. and, Hawk are and similar, he... and we like the Conan fantasy. We yes. like hardcore, gritty, brutal. If you want to do steampunk, go do steampunk somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, that's not D&D. Yeah. But, uh, Eric, so, Eric lives in Greyhawk, and he is not moving anytime that's soon. That's right. <laughs> the only time I talk about Ebron is, you know, when I can diss it. <laughs> All right. And, and, and the other thing was I used to play D&D Online, which I still have a character there. That's set in Eberron. And, you know, all, every time I think of it, all I see is they had those stupid Warforts that would do the robot dance, you know. And <laughs> that would be like their dance move. Oh, my God. No. That, not that's D&D. a different game. It's a wrong game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that is about as much as we can talk about D&D Beyond. Um, any last words, gentlemen? No, um, I, I will try to work on getting the Luddite character class up uh, by the time this podcast gets published, because that would be... Uh, I'll, uh, I can, I can, uh, I'll come up with a name and a complex background. There you go. We'll, we'll put up our Luddite character, and I think we'll call him Greg. Yes, just call him Greg. <laughs> Actually, in, in true old-school D&D fashion, we'll take Greg's name and do it backwards, so it would be Gerg. Gerg the Luddite. There you go. Classic. And he works in a bookstore. Yes. No, that's way too technologically advanced. That implies <laughs> printing presses. Oh, wow. Um, a scroll going, store? Yeah, a, 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 a tablet cave, we'll say, <laughs> instead of a bookstore. Nice. Nice. <laughs> All right, so that is a wrap for today. Um, on our way out, however, we want to talk about what we're going to be bringing you in the future. Yeah, what are we you- doing? All enjoyed our uh, Bard podcast that uh, was just just put out last last one. Um, we're going to continue with that series. We're going to cover each character class, and I believe the next one should be Wizards. Mm-hmm. Sounds um, magical. Which is one of my favorite classes, so you have that to look forward to. Personally speaking, I really like the idea how we go back and look at the history of these classes. Yeah, and it brings back a lot of fond memories when I do it, because yes, a lot yes. of that stuff, you know, I'm getting older, I forget all that stuff until I look it up again. So it, it is fun for, for me and you guys as well, I assume. Yes, it is. All right, well, with that being said, Greg, take us out. Yeah, hey, if you want to uh, tell us about uh, your D&D Beyond experience or anything else, the easiest place to find us is on Facebook at The Grognards. Uh, we are also on Twitter at T Grognards. And on Instagram, we are the underscore grognards. And if you like sending that uh, old school email, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. Yeah, Greg will never get it. 
Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all very much for listening. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on. <laughs>